Uh, Jack, Jack, quick moment of your time, please. How does it feel to finally discover the Villa Talks podcast? Um, best day of my life. Great, there you have it. Back to you at the studio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Villa Talks podcast. Uh, today we have a very special edition of the Villa Talks podcast. We have two very special guests with us. Uh, we're going to be talking about the transfer window as a whole uh, and looking at each player in detail uh, and also some of the areas that Villa still need uh, to look at in, in the future, maybe this window or next or the one after. Uh, I'm joined today by two guests who have some level of expertise in the area, let's put it that way, uh, both scouts uh, in the scouting world uh, at either end of the spectrum um, have some excellent, excellent experience and, and knowledge and insight to give to us and to our listeners about each of these players and also some potential picks that Villa may look at in the future. Firstly, we have Chris Gochran, uh, a very experienced scout, uh, Aston Villa fan, uh, most notably working in sort of League One, League Two and, and the Championship before in the lower leagues, uh, spotting players, uh, most recently working at Tramia Rovers. Chris, thank you for joining us. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you, Omar. Yourself? Yeah, very well, thank you. Good to have you. We're also joined by uh, a, a person who Chris actually introduced me to, uh, a scout in uh, in the MLS, works for DC United as an academy scout. Uh, we have Josh Hill, again, an Aston Villa fan. A pleasure to have you, mate. How, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Pleasure to be here. Want to give want to give a quick shout out to the North American villains too. Good, good to have you both. Well, it's been an interesting window um, this summer. Uh, a lot of key positions been filled. A uh, couple of key positions potentially still being looked at. Chris, what are your thoughts uh, overall on the window so far? And uh, are you happy with the signings? Ten out of ten for myself, Omar. Um, I'm just happy. You know, there's a, I suppose you've got your doubts really with, about Bertrand. But, um, yeah, impressed in the first game. And it's one of those ones where um, it's going to probably get some, some fans not racing him, some fans do hating him, and then he'll pull a blowing out of the bag. Um, he's that, that type of player, um, unpredictable. And there's been quite a couple of players over the years like that that probably are one-shop. Um, it was at West Ham and Derby, and they're just out of nothing. They just score a wonder goal. Or the, and you think, wow, how did we do that? And he's one of those type of players, tricky customer. Excellent, excellent. And, and Josh, your thoughts on the on the window overall? Some, who I mean, who would be your? Uh, would you think be the best signing we've made this summer so far? And, and overall, what are your thoughts on the positions that we filled? I think you know you look a little bit. You can't you contrast with last window coming into the Premier League and trying to rebuild the squad. And really, you can kind of see what they were talking about with their focus on getting quality players in um, this time around. Um, so for me, just I, I think the biggest thing, too, is um, you haven't seen that kind of transition period with most of these guys. They've kind of hit, hit the ground running, which is huge, um, and getting those quality players in. Um, you know, I, it's it's a little tough for me to, to split hairs about the most important signing. Um, for me, I guess I would say Ollie Watkins, because right, the biggest question coming in was who's going to score the goals? Um, you know, last year we had Jack and then it was, you know, not much else. And so who's who's going to be that guy up top that can finish the chances when we get them? So for me, that's that's going to be Ali. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Yeah, I think um, a lot of fans feel the same way, especially after the Liverpool game. Um, but yeah, interesting perspectives there overall. And we'll go through each player, uh, sort of player by player. But just before that, I thought for the listener's perspective, you know, I've mentioned a little bit about your background, but it'd be good to hear exactly uh you know sort of how you started what uh, what kind of position you're in at the moment in terms of scouting and and uh you know what your experience has been so far uh, you know you're both at sort of the other end of the spectrum so chris has obviously been in in the game for a while uh, in the scouting world and, and worked across lots of different clubs across different leagues josh uh, is at the moment uh, sort of more starting out i would say uh, on the academy side in the mls but again some you know really really both very very knowledgeable people around football and I wanted to talk uh, just quickly about Chris uh, because I think this is an interesting story and, and something the listeners should be aware of uh, and hopefully a bit of inspiration for, for a lot of people out there who are looking to, whether it's getting into football or getting into any area that they're passionate about. Um, you know, Chris has faced a lot of issues in his lifetime 
uh, personal issues that he's overcome to to get to a position where he's at now and and make a career in scouting, which is something a lot of people aspire to do. Um, you know, Chris from a young age had various issues, and, and also most notably that he's overcome and made a career out of. Chris, if if I could just ask you quickly, and I think this is important for listeners to understand a little bit about you, because this show is all about our guests, and and we don't want to just you know have you come in and talk about players but we want play you know people and listeners to understand who you are as people as well Chris if you could just explain sort of the issues you faced on earlier earlier on and also how that meant that you you know you became a scout and your ability to identify a player came about as well yeah that's fine Omar um when I was eight years old Omar I had aplastic anemia I think that's the third case in the world to have it and um, I was in Hammersmith Hospital uh, not far from QPR's ground um for about for nearly a year and um, so in time, I was in isolation. I wasn't really into football too much before then because my dad didn't like football. So I started to watch um, the football on the TV because back back then, late 80s, it was all on the TV, ITV, and Tottenham in 1987 were quite bad and scored 49 goals. So I started watching a lot of that. I watched that Wimbledon final when I beat Liverpool. And I just basically fell in love with football. Um, I started seeing who was good players. I was, I was watching what they did on the ball, what they did off the ball. I was able to predict a good player. Uh, so, Chris, obviously, you've had a you've obviously had a natural ability to spot a player from a very young age. I mean, what was your first role in scouting, and how did that come about? I was at Saint Mirren FC. Um, I was a volunteer first team scout. Been a scout for three months um, since my qualifications. I'd already covered Leicester versus Brighton for Barnet. And I did an opposition report on um, for Barnet and Leicester. And then last one nil Barnet in the cups. So I'm quite shocked for that because the keeper had a blinder, but they kept Leicester at bay for me for the game. That was my first ever assignment. Um and then basically, um yeah, the same moving game. I was on LinkedIn, I had about five hundred contacts at the time. And um you ever head of recruitment, the new head of recruitment, it was a former skater at Hibernian, messaged me asking me if I'd like to be their first skate for the door. Um, I said, yes, please. And I think my first assignment, funny enough, was Tramia. Sorry, Sonia Hormones versus Tramia. Um, just about the 21st of December. And it was called up at half-time. And, uh, and I told Mickey Mellon, my, my, my gaffer at Tramia, about that. Um, I told him about it. And he, he laughed and I remember that game. Uh, and that's my first ever skating assignment professionally for St. Mirren. Um, I left St. Mirren... Um, Day after, uh, the day before the end of the transfer window after we got promoted. We went on a record-breaking run. Um, I was shocked. I thought, wow, since I started here, we've won almost every other game. And we got promoted, champions. Yeah, I left it for whatever reasons. Uh, Alan Stubbs comes in. Uh, so, so I moved on because he didn't like any of our um, any of the skate suggestions. So I moved on. Yeah, and then um, he got sacked after about five games himself. Um, and then, yeah, I went to crew. Um, what 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 I tend to do, I, I I how I got that role is I googled um crew scouts and I found an email address to somebody at crew, so I emailed him and yeah, that time day said I would like to speak to you on Friday. I'm on, I'm on leave at the moment. I would like to speak to you because the Staffordshire scout who moved up to Staffordshire two years ago has has, has left. Like you to be asked um Staffordshire scout. So I got the role quickly and yes, yeah, basically got headhunted by Tranmere because I got Corey Blackett Taylor into Tranmere. From, uh, yeah. Um, I went to I went to watch him with Harry Suter of Stoke um, last last um, last just last time I spoke that was that was last April I, I went down the, on the train at the time and yeah um, I I, I spotted the players and I said those two definitely um, I knew about Corey because he already suggested him to save me and you see so Suter was on loan at Fleetwood it was only about his second game he was brilliant and obviously impressed the other week so I smiled because I've got the report I know you've seen it Omar. Yeah, I've, I've seen I've seen that actually. Uh, so Chris sent me the report he made on Suter, uh, and it was quite interesting. He sent that straight after the, uh, the Stoke game and said, "Look, I did tell you he was a good player," uh, and it just opened my eyes. Actually, you know the, the ability that uh, the, the ability that Chris has of swatting a player. Chris is a regular poster on VillaTalk.com, which is uh, obviously a, a website that's that's all close to our hearts. It's somewhere a lot of Villa fans have posted before or been involved in or started on before they went on to things like Twitter and social media. And, and before that was BBC 606. And uh, the, Chris has his own his own thread on there where he uh, identifies players uh, that he thinks are going to make it or you know, either be really good championship players or Premier League players or even better, superstars. And his hit rate is phenomenal. Um, so, you know, when, when he says these things about 
you know his ability to spot a player you know we've we've all for people who are on villatalk.com we've all seen it we've all seen you know the names he's mentioned and you know we're looking at throw we're looking at players now that Villa have been linked with or other clubs have been linked with and and you spot a post from three four years ago and Chris has said you know we should look at this player and <laughs> it's pretty uh pretty pretty interesting to see that and you know uh pretty crazy to think that you know someone's able to spot a player so well and have that natural ability as well it's been difficult for you with with the recent stroke as well and I think for listeners to understand you know your your speech has been affected and your your hearing as well hasn't it I can't hear too well I've got it in my eyes um, my, my head as well because that's two things that's important but I do Omar um, I did last January the 1st so I was in hospital for a month where I couldn't walk they sent me in hospital you can forget about going to your bedroom and go home or walking stairs I said hold my beer I got home that night I went to bed I, 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 um, so a, a few days later I started walking around my living room and I was with a limp uh, with my left leg and um, I think I asked, I asked Adam Hobson Dave Hobson's um, sort of experience, like, can I do the Nantwich game um, so, so, um, basically the month after so I got the train up there because I didn't drive then um, I passed my driving test in February because it's, uh, I was told because of my hearing you're never going to pass mate forget it again hold up here uh, and, and it, what's what spurs me on rejection is motivation so it's about yeah I, I, from the Nantwich station to the ground it's like about a mile walk so I was, I was striking my leg, leg like that and jogging down the road to get there so, so, so I can do, to go and do a play I thought uh, and yeah, and then the game after was that, that Warsaw game Warsaw versus Fleetwood and then I went to Warsaw versus Oxford and um, I didn't work for anybody at the time um, I kept doing these reports for Tramia who was on the PFSA network so that's how I got the role at Tramia. In in in, in not November last year, they they said they said to me, Adam, we like that Chris at the club, uh, and, and Adam said, Crew, no. I said, I spoke to him on the phone, and I said, we want to take you from Crew. You can't work for two clubs. I said, that's fair enough. Come conflict and all that. And yeah, uh, I got headhunted. Perfect. Yeah, I think I think that's re- that's really inspiring. I think for for many people, and, and testament again to your passion for for what you do. Um, as a scout and how you feel about being a scout and being able to identify a player, a player, you know, to go through that and, and come out the other side and, and get a role at Tramia, um, and continue your, your career in scouting. And also the, the dedication to your craft as well. You know, you're in that position, you're, you're in that circumstance and, and that condition for you to show the passion to continue and, 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 you know, want to go to a game and spot players, you know, it's something you're really passionate about. I think it's really, really inspiring. Um, you know, it's really, really great to see. And, and thank you for introducing us to, to Josh as well, who's, like I said, at the other end of the, uh, the spectrum in terms of the, his, his scouting experience, you know, starting out uh, working on the MLS um, for, for DC United. But again, yeah, another, another individual who happens to be a Villa fan, which is great for us. But also another individual who's excellent at spotting players and really understands, you know, the makeup of play and what's needed uh, to to make it in the game and and understand and, and be able to spot a player. Josh, just to, for the listeners, just to li- just quickly, uh, you know, I don't want to labour the point, but just for the listeners to understand, what kind of work are you currently doing with DC United, and and you know, obviously, what what you're looking to do going forward in terms of your career in, in the scouting world. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, I, first, I think I also want to just say something real quick. Uh, I guess extra about Chris and, and just that, um, you know, one of the amazing things about Chris, um, beyond when you, when you look past the story in and of itself and, and just everything that he's kind of overcome in life in general, and then just, um, you know, recently and, and pursuing his passion with, with scouting. Um, I think he has just amazing, um, ability to remember players, right? So he can see a kid um, you know, once or twice, and that's going to stick for him. He's going to remember that in two years to like be able to give you. So like when you're talking about looking at the lower levels and finding players, that's a huge thing to be able to have that memory to recall. Um, and then I think too, just, um, how he connects, um, people and how he encourages people is, is just huge. Um, and so that's kind of like how I get my start in scouting. Um, you know, I, I knew Chris, I, I, you know, I'm, I guess you could look at, you know, an American route to being a soccer fan or being a football fan. Right. And, and that maybe it's a little bit different than, you know, maybe what you guys are experiencing there in the UK. Um, 
And so I came a little bit late to the game. Um, you know, one of my true loves is American football. And so for me, when I was looking to kind of support a football club, um, I didn't want to pick, you know, one of the big fours that pretty much all of my friends that followed soccer or follow football um, were going to be supporting. So it was around 2006, and that's when um, Randy Lerner bought Aston Villa. So, you know, we won't speak too much about him. We have our own <laughs> thoughts and feelings about how he ran things. Sure. Uh, he, yeah. he didn't do too much better with the Cleveland Browns either. Uh, so, but that's kind of how I got introduced to to Villa. And looking at, um, looking at Villa's history, looking at Villa um, and Birmingham, the city, and, and just kind of like the feel, it, it felt very much like Cleveland, like a sister city. And that a lot of the fans were similar to Cleveland Browns fan in, in their devotion and um, supporting the team no matter what. So it just felt like a natural fit for me. And I know a lot of American fans have that same story about how they came to Villa. Um, so that's just kind of that background and then even more with scouting, right? So, um, you know, here in the U S we don't have that background, uh, knowledge or information stream that maybe you have there. So for me, just getting connected with other Villa fans on Facebook was huge. Um, and that's how I met Chris and, and just through commenting on, on Facebook and things like that, Chris kind of saw, I guess something in me and something in an eye that I had for, for players. Um, and so he really just kind of encouraged me to, to start looking into scouting if I was interested, which of course I was. Um, and then it just so happened, you know, I was able to take the FA level one um, talent identification course online. Um, and then not long after that, um, the PFSA that Chris mentioned earlier with uh, Dave Hobson, um, reached an agreement to come and do the training for all of DC United's Academy scouts. Uh, they had a few spots open for the public. So I was able to kind of get in there um, with Chris kind of helping connect me there. Um, I live about two hours from, from DC United, from their training facilities uh, in Washington, DC. Um, I'm a little bit out uh, remote, um, but for me, that two hours is nothing, uh, you know? And so when I was there, I spoke with the head scout um, and just kind of said, you know, I'd love to to start working with you guys. Um, and they were happy to have me. So, you know, I've been doing that a little over two years now, um, working with the academy. Um, and then I've done a little bit of work uh, with some trials for the first team. And then um, this, you know, two seasons ago, we started a, a second division club. Um, to kind of help with the development for some younger players uh, with DC United. So I've done a little bit of work with um, some trials and things there as well. Excellent, excellent. So um, exciting times for you really, isn't it? It's, uh, I know it's probably the start of your career, but you know, I, I've seen what Chris has seen in terms of you know, the conversations we've had, um, your ability to spot a player, but also the level of depth that you go into a player around their abilities and, and things that I never even thought about. As a Villa fan, and I, you know, I, I'm one of these people that thinks, yeah, you know, I'm quite knowledgeable about football. I know what goes on, but actually, when you speak to the people like yourself and Chris, you understand actually there's a there's a different level to the game almost. You know, there's a different level of knowledge that people like yourselves have uh, about football and about players, which which is great to see. And and obviously, we're very thankful for both of you and your time uh, on this podcast to to give your views. And talking of which, you know, let's let's crack on and talk about the, the club that we all love, Aston Villa. Uh, let's talk about the, the first player, the first player in the door this summer, uh, Matty Cash. Uh, Chris, your sort of, if you could just sum up, first your feelings on the signing, but also what you think Matty Cash will bring to the team, but also the areas of the game you think he needs to work on and, and improve on to to become, you know, the right back that we want him to be. Um, well, basically, about five years ago, Omar, on Villa Talk, I posted about. Uh, Matty Cash, the Forest, was a good player. And also, oh, what's his name at Sheffield United? No, he's back at West Brom. Oliver Burke. He was, he was, he was a standout player, Burke, I said, Forest. He really impressed me. I think he scored some like four goals in his first five games for Forest that season, but Matty Cash impressed me, I see. And I thought about Batman. I think he was a right midfielder, a centre midfielder, Matty Cash. But um, yes, yeah, so obviously, Burke went to Germany. 
and it didn't quite work out for him. And Castro continued to keep developing at a decent rate. And um, yeah, you always caught me eye every time I seen him. He probably a year or two ago, but he wasn't one of them standout players. You, you watch Boris, you'll go, oh, somebody else might impress. But um, Castro, you always done my job. And yeah, I think he got moved to right back last season. And yeah, he excelled. I, I'm very, very impressed with him. The rate he's going at, you can see him in the England squad in the next year or two. What, what, what do you think some of his best attributes are, would you say? Attributes, he's got a lot of energy. Uh, he's good on the ball. Okay, he's he, he, he bombed forward. I think his crossing's got better in his last year, but I've noticed. He's more likely to whip a ball in, but he did it at Forest. He just did things um, by the book. Um, but yeah, it's just he's actually he's the type of lad. To, I mean, even when when he signed, he was like up the villa with a cheeky smile on his face. He's just got you can just tell he's got a good attitude, Omar. You can tell. Look at him. He, for, for me, on the four corner model, um, which is like technical, tactical as one um, attitudes. He, he, he gets he basically ticks them all. Uh, it's somebody also that wants to keep improving. That's not happy to stand still. And I think we've gone for players this season with. Um, Basically, under the what we follow, me and Josh follow the scouts, and and just basically um, players that want to grow, that want to give, you know. And it's nice to see when he was having that laugh on Twitter too with um, John McGinn and uh, Jack. We go about that photo, that made me laugh because it shows he's already got in. And I've noticed also on Twitter, he's saying he's calling uh, Martinez my bro. Um, so it just shows that the, oh, and he's also done that for um, Ollie Watkins when he got that hat trick. Uh, well, got that hat and that's a nice team spirit that we want to see, Amar, and I've got a really good feeling about this season. Yeah, yeah, and I think and I don't um, normally get that to be fair. But, no, yeah. no, 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 we're, <laughs> we're quite quite pessimistic as Villa fans typically, but I think you know you're right there. I think that's key. Um, that four corner model that you, you've spoken about, you know, I think that's that fits the Dean Smith mold, doesn't it? You know, that's the typical signing. He looks at these players that he can, you know, have have sort of the raw attributes and but more importantly the willingness to learn and willingness to improve and, and he can hone that as a coach because obviously that's what he loves to do on the training pitch with with his coaches that he's got you know John Terry uh, Richard O'Kelly you know these these guys they're, they're they're working with him and now obviously Craig Shakespeare they're looking to improve these players and we've seen that with the players we've had we've seen how much Jack has improved we've seen how much people like Condo have improved from the beginning of the season Douglas Louise um, you know they've all improved massively uh, and I think that a lot of that comes down to coaching, which is sort of a lost art now, uh, you know, because there's a lot of talk about management and being a good man manager, but also coaching is is massively important. I mean, I mean, Josh, your thoughts on on Matty Cash, just quickly, you know, uh, a player that you've we've spoken about before on on WhatsApp um, in our conversations. I mean, going for we haven't seen much of him going forward. What do you think he'll bring going forward? I think that's going to come with with being a little bit more comfortable um, being there a little while. Um, I think I've seen his ability to put in a good cross, um, and just that energy, you know, you, you need that energy on both ends of the, of the pitch. And I think, um, you know, we'll start to see a little bit of that offensive production come through. Um, I think from, for Maddie Cash, the biggest thing, um, for me is just his steadiness that he's brought to the position. Um, you know, I think. End of last season, Mings and Konsa kind of solidified the center center back pairing. Um, but then we we're always kind of having that question about the the two backs, you know, the right back left back position. And I think now you've you've got to a point where you can feel comfortable in three out of those four positions um, that that is settled. There's no drama to that you know position. And so I think for me that's the the biggest thing is just his his like attitude, his willingness, um, you know, and he's not afraid to kind of like put in a tackle. He's not afraid to put himself out there. So. Yeah. And I think that's important. You know, the modern day game, the fullback position is so important, isn't it? Compared to what it was, say, even 10 years ago when we had 15, 12, 13 years ago, when we had likes of Nigel Riococa playing there and Craig Gardner playing there for us, you know, they were, they were more, uh, you know, it was more of a tool more than anything else. But now, the right back and the left back are vital cogs of the team going forward. You know, we've seen the likes of Liverpool with with Trent Alexander Arnold and, and and Andy Robertson. You know how important they are to 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 their team and how you know someone like Trent pretty much dictates the game from that right back position. Um, and I think one thing I've noticed about Matty Cash that I didn't notice and which Chris has just touched upon was his improvement in his crossing ability. Because like 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 you, I've seen him a little bit at Forest. You know, Forest is. Uh, 
team that I'm quite fond of. Uh, you know, as I lived in Nottingham for for a couple of years, so it's a team I look out for now and again. And when they're on the TV, you know, you watch their games, and and I'd never really noticed even last year when I was watching him play a right back and having great some great games. I'm thinking of games like against West Brom where he scored. You know, you can see his ability, technique on the ball, but I didn't really see too much about his crossing ability. But this year I've noticed, and he hasn't had that much of a chance to get forward too much, but when he has, his ability to cross the ball from from sort of the inside right back position almost, uh, coming inside and letting the winger go out on the outside, um, which is something we've never really seen too much of Villa. Um, it's normally, you know, uh, Al Mohamedi, who's, who's actually got the ability as well, but tends to cross from quite wide out uh, and looks to curl the ball in. Uh, and then, you know, Alan Hutton, who just, <laughs> you know, just looked to bomb forward and then cut back to anyone without actually ever looking. Uh, <laughs> but let's not, let's not go into that. But, but I think his ability to cross the ball from difficult angles and put in across our pace as well. You know, we haven't seen too much of that, but I've noticed it a couple of times. I think that's going to be quite key for us uh, in the games against maybe, maybe lo- a lower standard of opposition where we're going to have more of the ball in the final third. Yeah, I would agree. I think um, I think too that he, you know he combines maybe what we've had from individual players into one player, which is what you want. You want that one player that can do everything for you. Yeah, yeah, no, massively, yeah, and uh, you know that's an exciting, like I said, probably a typical Dean Smith signing. Someone you would expect to Dean Smith to sign, you know, someone from the league below who's got obviously got ability, but has some room to grow as well. And and like I said, Dean Smith can, and this team can sort of hone that ability and, and coach it and make it better and, and obviously make him a top class Premier League player. Hopefully, um, in terms of the next person in in the door was was Emiliano Martinez um, from Arsenal. Uh, you know, a signing that we were it was mooted, um, you know, on, on Twitter by by a couple of journalists. Um, and a signing I didn't think actually think was ever going to happen because I thought, you know, this is a guy who's ready to play for a top four, top six team and be the number one. Um, and, and I performed very well recently. It's not often you get to sign a player like that uh, when you've just survived by the skin of your teeth, uh, you know, a player in a key position. Uh, and, a, and, a, and a player in a position that, you know, most people were happy to get a stopgap in for because obviously we've got Tom Heaton there in the background waiting to come back in. But we've managed to get... Emiliano Martinez in and Chris I mean he's made an excellent start to the season hasn't he and and, and what do you think he'll bring to the team my, in my in my opinion Neymar he's the best goalkeeper we signed on the age of 30s he's Mark Bosnitz um, on a free transfer from Sydney 1992 one month after his 21st birthday but by far yeah and and I mean, I mean what, what's been impressive about him do you think so far in his games that he's had obviously only, only sort of three games he's played but what, what's impressed you about him well, okay, I watched a bit of Arsenal after in lockdown um, on my, my Sky and BT Sports and that. And um, I've also, obviously, he played for Reading on loan and he went to Wolves and then he played a couple of games. I think he got injured at Wolves on loan. And he's basically bummed around from the lower leagues. But, he's, but if you if you used to see what all their fans say about his attitude, it was always spot on. Um, what impressed me the most is when he died, he tried to stretch his whole body. Do you remember Pickford in Europe? He's quite small for goalkeeper. Do you remember like, where he, he stretched his whole body then? Martin's sort of same, and he's like six foot six, isn't he? Something like that. He just stretches his whole body, and um, he, and that's why he tips things under the bar because he, he makes it his stress. And what, what what I like about him also is um, he, I think he really cares about the club already. Looking at um, his social media, and every Arsenal fans are saying in the year we'll go to Paris Saint-Germain for about forty five million from Villa. So the, I saw that type of thing of remarks on Twitter. And yeah, maybe other clubs will, but we won't let him go without a fight. And the thing is, I think he's going to enjoy being the first choice with us for a while. Um, and so what is investment? Again, attitudes. It's all about the players he brought in. They've all got uh, good good attitudes. And um, yeah, I just I just I just think he can he could potentially be our number one for the next ten years potentially. It all depends if we start if we start start challenging because. It, by, the, by the time he's first, first whatever, in his thirties, it's still probably get offered some elsewhere. I mean, it's an absolute steal for the money he pays. What's what, sixteen million plus add-ons up to about nineteen twenty? Absolute bargain. Best keepers in budget. Good. Well, good to hear, Josh. Your your thoughts on on Martinez? Um, obviously, he started really well with the penalty save, um, and again, you continue to uh, impress in all the games that he's played. Interesting point that Chris made there about the way that he's able to extend his body and make full use of his height, which is something 
a lot of keepers do find difficult to do something something an area that not many people think about when it comes to keepers uh, obviously we talk a lot about attackers and midfielders and defenders and their attributes but when it comes to keepers that side of the game being athletic at that being that tall is, is quite important isn't it yeah i think you want to look at that that reach and and the area that you can cover uh in front of the net and i think you know he he shows uh great reaction he shows really good spring um so which is which is key because i mean sometimes you're lining up and you're and you and you know where the shot's coming from or whatever but then you get those deflection um shots or things like that too that you just have you have to you're going one direction you have to immediately be able to change it and and flip the switch right um so i think he shows a lot of that ability um and then you know just what Chris talked about too, that the, the attitude, you know, um, in, in a good, in a, in a positive way, right. He's got a hunger, um, not only for, for himself and for honing his craft, I think, but for, for his new club as well, um, to push his teammates. Um, I think you see the combination of the attributes that you want to see. Um, and then he's also able to communicate effectively, organize the defense, um, and he's able to kind of channel his hunger and his energy into a focused approach, like, um, between the sticks. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's important. I think, you know, he's spoken so well and fans have already, you know, almost managed to form that relationship with him quite quickly because of his interviews and what he's spoken about. He's been so honest and, and forthright about, you know, what happened at Arsenal, why he left, you know, this is a, a, a player who was, at the top of his game at a, at a big club uh, to then leave. You know, normally if you're in the position Aston Villa are in at the moment, and hopefully that position will change over time. You know, you, if you are going to be buying players, Premier League experienced players or pre- players from top Premier League teams, they're typically not going to be in the first team. They typically be a squad player, rotation player or or been signed and not, not quite, you know, hit it off at the team and, and, and are looking for a move. To have a player who was week in, week out playing, albeit obviously I know Leonard was injured, but but performing at a high level and being key to to their success towards the end of that season to then be able to sign him, um, it's you know well firstly testament to the recruitment team to to get him in, but also testament to Martinez's attitude, that fact that he's willing to give that up because he knows he's not guaranteed first team football to then come to Villa and and you know try and become a number one for the first time in his career properly uh, and have the attitude that you know yes you know I'm not going to be playing for a top four top six club potentially challenging for Champions League places. I'm going to be playing at a Villa who are looking to get back up that ladder, but have the ability to make an impact on this team. And I think that kind of attitude, you know, you've, you've both alluded to the, the attitude side of things it is also important when it comes to scouting, you know, uh, that you've both mentioned. Uh, and I think those two players, Cash and Martinez, both bring that uh, in, in abundance, hopefully. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully, you know, and again, two areas that potentially, you know, I've said this before on the podcast, two areas that, most people probably wouldn't have thought were priorities um, for the team to improve. You know, there was probably other areas more, more notably in the forward positions where people thought that were priority and where we needed signings. But the fact that we we have improved those positions and the fact that they've had a massive impact already, again, shows you the the level of knowledge and, and expertise our team, the management team, the scouting team has around our players and and what we need to do to improve as a team as a whole uh, moving on to sort of the third signing that, that came in um uh, and you know a player that we massively massively needed a player that was linked for most of the summer window um and a player that dean smith knows really really well and a player who's made a massive impact already especially in the last game ollie watkins josh i mean you've uh, you've talked about him before to us um, and we've mentioned it earlier on in, in, in the show, in the episode. What are your thoughts on, on Ollie Watkins, uh, you know, as, as a player, but also, you know, how good do you think he could actually be in, in the Premier League and as, as a player? Well, Chris and I have talked a lot about Ollie even before this um, past season. Um, so both of us are, are quite familiar with it. Um, Chris was the one who kind of like initially said something to me about him. And so I started watching him. Um, I think, you know, you look at, so what is what is different about Ali versus you know maybe some of the other players that we've had at the position? Because we've had some players that had some of the actual attributes that you that you want to see that he has the the pace or um, the vision. 
the the you know I mean certainly we haven't had the finishing recently, but I think the biggest thing is you see with Ollie uh, a confidence in front of the goal, right? And it's not um, it's not a cockiness, but he just knows what he can do. And so whenever you get that, you you get like the inventive the inventiveness part of it, the um, ability to create some of his own um, situations. Um, and so if you look right at, at against Liverpool, obviously the the hat trick, but you've got a, a goal with the left foot, a goal with the right foot, and a goal with the head. Um, so you kind of see that ability to finish no matter the situation. Um, and I think too, he's. I've seen a little bit of an ability to hold up play as well, so that you've got that recognition of the game situation and when to when to press and attack and when to kind of hold up to allow the attack to build. So I think he's kind of bringing both of that. And again, like I said, just there's nothing better than be able to 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 hit the ground running when you're, you know, a striker or a forward you're the one who who needs to get the goals. And so to get that out of the way early kind of relieves a little bit of that pressure. Yeah, massively, massively. And that, and that point about uh, game awareness that you, you mentioned almost, it's an important point and, and something that not all players have. Um, you know, that footballing brain, that ability to read the way a game's going um, and understand what you need to do in a certain position, in a certain situation in the game and and that shows the footballing intelligence that Ollie Watkins possesses and and probably why you know so many people and Dean Smith in particular have high hopes for him to improve and become a top top quality Premier League forward I mean uh, um, sorry Josh mentioned there Chris that uh, Ollie Watkins you uh, you've mentioned him a few years ago and I remember on Villa Talk you you talked about him uh, before he was out at Brentford even at Exeter um, as a player to watch out for what impressed you when you first saw him uh, about him because obviously he was playing a different position then, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He played, he's an attacking midfielder, but you should also play obviously as left winger, but he's more of an attacking midfielder for Exeter. Uh, before that playoff final where they lost, um, and he got his move to Brentford, I watched, I watched him on, um, I had a Wyscape back then, which is a skating app where you can get any game in the world. I was digging out some games and um, he really impressed me. Um, I thought to myself, there's a lad. I read a, read a newspaper last year, again, attitudes. Uh, he said, I'm going to Wembley. His mum could never afford to let him go to Wembley when he was a kid. So he had to grow up without living that dream. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's basically, he got to go, but did lose. But I think he had another good game. I, I remember watching that game and the playoff final. And yeah, we were linked. We were actually linked home for one and a half million from Exeter Villa. I, I remember, yeah. I remember. Yeah. And I mm. thought, oh, why not for a million and a half? We've got to start taking them little punts sometimes, you know. Not the not the um the Sally Fu type punts, but or the Jordan Barry ones, but you know proper ones with like young potential like that, but are actually doing well rather than mediocre. You know, like that Barry one. Um, start doing that sometimes where they can grow. I mean, I've got some examples here for later on where a players I think that can grow um, from the lower leagues. But funny enough, let's have a look at him and have a look at um, Dominic Calvert Lewin. They're both went unknown to non-league teams and they're both banged in the goals. Yeah. Uh, I look at them now, they're very similar slot strikers. Um, Calvert-Lewin's got the England squad. There's no reason why, and he swapped a few positions, there's no reason why Ali Watkins cannot be the same. For us, he's, he's just having the same impact that Dominic's having at Everton. And, uh, you know, it's nice to read about Dominic's dad saying that nice stuff the other day because, obviously, Ali, Ali Watkins, I think, just wants to make his mum proud of him. A lad from Exeter, probably... You know, his mother couldn't afford to take him to work. Just wants to basically give all the things in life, but, but you know, but probably didn't have growing up. And, yes, yeah, it's, it's similar to a lot, a lot of people in life. Yeah, that's 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 important, though, isn't it? That point that point you make around, uh, you know, not having much in life and, and having that hunger to to succeed. You know, that that sort of backstory, if you like, is a vital part of a, of a player's makeup. You know, they, they, can, they, can be, they can be quick. They can be good with both feet. They can be good in the air. But if you're missing that hunger, that attitude and the right mentality, then it's very difficult for you to make it. And the fact that, you know, these players, we've mentioned Martinez, we've mentioned Cash, now we're talking about Ollie Watkins, all of that hunger to succeed. And, and we saw that with Ollie Watkins, you know, he, he a few times now, and Dee Smith has mentioned this as well, he's he's not ever, ever happy with his performance. He's always wanting more. 
Omar, when I done my PFSA level two, I went to um, Hotel Football up at Old Trafford, which is run by Gary Neville and and and, and, like that. and I did the level two there. And I asked um, Dean Whitehouse, who works at Manchester United Academy, uh, it, was go, it was going on about certain players. And, and uh, he said about a 15-year-old who didn't make it, but paid a lot of money for Burnett. And I said to him, is it John Coffey? He said, you're not a Man United fan, you know that. And I was like, I remember reading about it years ago, but he's signing from Burnley. Um, but I asked him about Ravel Morrison, so that perked him up when I knew all the players um, but, but, but basically they had got. And, and Ravel Morrison, he basically was so down, down about, he said that lad could have been basically best player going ever. It's all about attitudes. Uh, so, so with Ravel, it was like um, he just um, he just had preferred hanging around with his friends, you know, in, in like parts of Manchester, that type of stuff. Uh, and, and it goes to show at the moment, he just got released by Sheffield United. He's playing in Sweden now, I think I've read the other week. But um, but yeah, John Coffey, he's playing, he's bombing around in non-league now. He's probably not even playing at all. And he's meant to be, they paid £2 million to burn. It's like that, players that don't match up, even though they had that overall talent. Talent is never enough. Uh, somebody said um, on the FA level too, but Gary Neville, he admits he was not a good player. He, he admits I'm nowhere near a good lad. Do you know what? He worked so, so hard as a right back in one all in manners because it's all about attitude and um, it's easy for somebody to say I don't know oh he's a good player he's a good player but you've got to try and look at their attitude too it's hard to get that information because you, you'll spot it in the, in the game you'll see sometimes they throw they throw their hands down like that when something doesn't go right or somebody doesn't pass into them it's a notice that a crew game to once on a player that I do like, but you know, it gets dropy with another good player because it didn't pass in the ball. It's all about their attitudes. Um, Probably why, you know, um, we've talked about this before, uh, why it's modern scouting, you know, I think stats play a massive part, obviously, um, in terms of, in terms of identifying players, but, uh, and there's, you know, there's a point of the modern game, you know, there, there's that sort of uh, the stats-based model and having that as part of your model when recruiting players is, is important, but also actually going out to see these players, see how they perform in the real life. And, you know, yes, they might have the best dribbles per game in the league or they might have the best tackles per game in the league or, you know, whatever. They might create the most key passes, but actually what kind of impact are they having on the game in real life? What kind of attitude do they have? How do they, how do they, how do they fit in a team? How do they work with other players? You know, that kind of things you don't see from stats, do you? Is that, is that right, Josh? Do you, do you agree I think if you're looking at the four corners model that we just uh, brought up, you know, that this, the statistics give you half of that, right? It's only half. You've also got the psychological and you've got the social aspect too. And, and you can't get that from the stats, right? You have to be able to go and see the player. You have to be able to talk to, um, you know, if it's a younger player, talk to the parents, um, you know, you have to see them outside of the game to kind of get some of that. And I mean, even some in the game to get a sense of where they're at in those other two areas. I'll give you an example, Omar. I went to the um, Vardy football trial a few years ago for St. Mirren. And I suggested a lad at Hearn Bay called Sam McCallum. Um, he was 17 at the time. Uh, and yeah, but never heard of him. Um, so I went along. I took myself up there because I was a, I was a freelance um, volunteer first team scout. Which means because I was starting off, I didn't get paid a penny. In the last two positions, I could I, 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 I pay the monthly wage if, if I'm working. Uh, and yeah, what McCallum went to Coventry. And there's another lad who went to Coventry as well, I suggested. That's why he's still there. And uh, McCallum went to Norwich for what, three and a half million January. I didn't have any of that stats. I had to watch my own eyes and make that informal judge that he's a good player. Um, and yeah, that's, that's the beauty. It's nice to have that stats. But when you're an academy scout, you do not have the stats. You have to base it on what you right. see. That's yeah. probably why a lot of them get released. If we move on to um, some of the, the last two Villa players that, that we've come in the door. Um, obviously, Barkley, we know quite a lot about and, and most people know quite a lot about. So I don't think there's there's not too much point to spending that much time on him, but we can we can touch upon him in, in a second. But Bertrand Traore, I think out of all the signings that we've made, um, you know, there are some question marks about that, mainly because of how Leon fans re- reacted, I think, um, rather than the actual player. Um, and he's an interesting, interesting player in terms of a player with obvious talent, a player that's played in the Premier League, albeit for only a short spell, uh, but 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 importantly, been in England and and had some sort of uh, experience in England uh, with Chelsea. But a player who's obviously very talented, has got bags of ability, um, but has a, had sort of a mixed bag of performances, let's say, 
for for Leon and, and for clubs before for Ajax. Um, I think a Vitesse Arnhem before that as well. Um, Josh, your thoughts on on Bertrand Traore and do you think uh, with wingers, you know, especially we've seen last season, they can blow hot and cold. Do you think a bit of patience is needed from Villa fans for him? Um, yeah, I would say so. I think, um, you know, even if you, if you look at his start with Villa already, he's kind of been stuck in this cycle of, of basically being in the cup matches. Um, we haven't really been able to see him kind of get a full run out with, you know, sort of your, your normal starting 11. Um, so I'd be interesting to kind of see how that works itself out. Um, I think, you know, immediately you think of Dean Smith and, and like making sure the Dean can get um, that consistency out of him. Um, because like you mentioned, he's definitely had um, stretches in the past where he was consistent for, you know, a chunk of time. Um but also, you know, he talked a little bit about having that connection with John Terry coming in. Um, you know, I don't know how brief that was their period together at Chelsea. Um, but, you know, that might be a bigger key than, than we think of in, as far as like bringing him in and getting that consistency out of him. Um, having that respect uh, of a former teammate who's a legend at the club, um, Chelsea that is. Um, you know, so maybe that, that, you know, that might be a factor that, you know, is getting a little overlooked, but I think, you know, when you look at some of our winger options that we had last, last season, um, I, and I think that he's definitely a clear upgrade as far as like, even if he's not an ending up in the 11, he, he brings something off the bench that maybe we wouldn't have had if we hadn't signed him, um, so I would I would just kind of say that and say uh, for me the jury's still out a little bit. You see the ability, but uh, I just want to see him playing a little bit with the eleven before kind of making that final determination. Chris might have a different opinion, or he might have a a little bit more uh, positive view. I'm I'm not sure. Um, he's one he's one that's all destroying so far, but I have my question marks about it. I wasn't that impressed with him when he was at Chelsea. Um, obviously I give every player a chance. Omar, um, Leon fans are probably not too happy with him, but we could say the same. They said the same about John Cree, didn't they? Uh, yeah, he, he impressed the first game with a girlfriend, he even said he's a good player. <laughs> um, but I, I, yeah, I was really, really happy. He didn't play too well in the second game. Uh, and he came on and he scored against Liverpool, didn't he? So it's, it's going to be one of these ones, it's going to be a bit of a roller coaster with him, I think. Um, it's just. Um, it's all about attitude. Some of the other players are a bit more pleased to be at the club. Um, he looked like maybe it's just his um, he, he, way he is. Um, he just seemed a bit like uh, type of shrug shoulder type thing. Like um, he, he talked, but he's quite a quiet guy. I think that's one of those things, isn't it? I think a lot of a lot of that criticism was levelled at Jordan, someone like Jordan A, for example, who's just sort of natural demeanor. Marshall's another one where you know they're not. They're not, they're not like someone like Dwight York who's who's laughing while he's playing football. But I, I don't think, I think one of those things, you know, it's just per, people's personalities. That's the way they are. It doesn't, doesn't actually mean anything. I think Jordan A.U. is another player that, you know, fans gave some unfair stick to. Um, and a player, you know, who's doing well at Palace now uh, just because he wasn't smiling 24-7. Not many players do really. Uh, but it's just this, it's just this notion that these foreign players come in and they're not happy to be here. They're just here for a wage. Well, actually, most players are here for a wage and, and there to better themselves and make a better living for themselves, for them and their family. Um, just because they're not smiling on the pitch doesn't really actually mean anything. Uh, I think, you know, your point about Bertrand Traore, um, bit of a roller coaster. I think that's probably the best <laughs> summation of it. Uh, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be one of those, isn't it? It's going to be some good games, some bad games, and, and you've got to just you know, stick with him and hope he, he makes an impact in those games that we need him to make an impact on. And I think if you're looking at a, at a like rosy view of it, though, like we've had ro- those roller coaster players at the at the winger position, and like this is maybe a little bit more higher end roller coaster, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a fair point. Yeah, and that, yeah, in terms of output, but also pace as well, yeah. hopefully, um, and explosive pace in that final third on the counter attack, which we sort of saw against Liverpool, uh, albeit you know the game was won uh, and what have you, but you know he, he straight away nearly made an impact a couple of times, which. Um, you know, hopefully he does that in, in games and in the future um, when we need him to, not only when we're winning, but also when we need a goal. Um, just quickly, Chris, um, just before we sort of start talking about 
potential areas that Villa can improve, but also some some picks from you as well that, that we should look out for. Uh, and this is a podcast that we'll come back to in a few years' time to see how good you were, how good your picks were. Uh, but just quickly on Ross Barkley, um, impressive debut. Uh, a player that obviously is very, very talented again. Again, the other end of the spectrum when it comes to someone like, say, compared to Emilino Martinez, who was doing well, who, who started off not getting in the team, but then managed to get into the team of a top four, top six club and, and then came to Villa to someone who was doing really, really well at Everton, was one of their top performers, a bright prospect, went to Chelsea, a big move for him and, and it's sort of faltered and he's been in and out of the team. Um, what are your thoughts on him coming in and what do you think he'll bring to the team? And also, how do you think, how important do you think his relationship with Jack will be on, on that left-hand side? Um, I, I'm happy with it, Omar. Um, basically, I think what, what's happening with Ross Barkin is consistency, isn't it? Um, another thing, um, he basically was at Everson, he was even for one decade. We've got a good success rate with youth team players. Um, and it's just uh, it's just consistency. So, obviously, you've gone to Chelsea, for, I think, for 15 million, something like that. And, yeah, he, he's had his good games. And he, I think his last last season, he looked, he looked really good again. Um, def, definitely his last year for Chelsea. I was a bit surprised that he'd even come to us because I didn't think that was ever going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think another player, and, and even then, I think, uh, and Josh may be able to send some further light on this, I think still think even though he was in and out of the team, he still managed to make some vital contributions to the to the Chelsea team last season and the season before. Isn't that, isn't that right, Josh? Yeah, I think I read that he was um, second on the club, even in limited playing time as far as chances created. Um, so he just takes that little bit of pressure off of, off of Jack, like both he and Ali, right? They take that pressure because they can also create. Um, and then just like seeing their relationship, like you mentioned earlier, or maybe Chris mentioned, um, that coming straight in, you can already tell that he and Jack get on. Um, so that kind of natural chemistry, like, you know, it's kind of hard to not see it show up on the, on the pitch as well. Hopefully that, that sort of uh, relationship continues to flourish, uh, both players. And and I mentioned this last podcast, uh, both players who are able to dribble with the ball uh, and able to break the press and be able to take the ball and maybe take two or three players out of the game and open open space out for others, which on the counter, which is going to be vital, but also in games we're under the, we're under the cosh slightly, you know, able to uh, relieve some pressure as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he plays in a game where we're, say, having more of the ball and dictating the, the play and see how he impacts that kind of game. Uh, but yeah, really exciting signing. And again, a level above what I expected us to sign. I think uh, when people were talking about Premier League experience and it was mentioned in the media and, and nothing really came out of the club about that. It was more the media talking about that. I was expecting players to come in like, I don't know, maybe like Callum Wilson, Josh King, uh, you know, those types of players, someone like Craig Dawson even uh, that Watford signed last year and, and I think he's on his way or has gone to West Ham now. You know, those types of players who are experienced and maybe been at a few different clubs and, and able to have that experience. But actually what we've seen is we've got a bit of Premier League experience, but still at a decent age uh, and with players with a lot to prove still, which is key. Um, and Barkley definitely fits that. So an interesting window overall. Um, still a couple of areas that, you know, many feel that we need to fill still, um, whether they're priorities and whether we do that this window, next window, even in the summer remains to be seen. Uh, Josh, in my eyes, I, th- I think for me, uh, there's probably three areas that I would look at, uh, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this before we move on to Chris and some of his uh, his picks for, from the lower leagues. Um, for me, I think centre back uh, reinforcement, especially if I think in the modern day, you probably do need five centre backs in the squad, um, especially if you're going to change formations for certain games and play three at the back, especially with uh, you know House getting recently injured, ankles being out for for. Uh, a decent amount of time as well, and and Ming's injury record obviously is not um, amazing. Uh, and then and then left back, you know, we, you've mentioned three of the four, and uh, I sense Matty Target. You're still unsure about um, again a player that I think does get a slightly unfair criticism, but again, definitely a player I think we could potentially upgrade in the future. Uh, and then lastly, obviously the forward positions, we've only got really Watkins and, and Davis as strikers, uh, although Troy can play there. Another potential position that we could look at, albeit I don't think there's that much of a pressing need right now. What What are your thoughts on those th- th- those three positions? And would you agree those positions need filling? And was there anywhere else that you would think that we'd need to get additional reinforcements in? Yeah, it's interesting because uh, you know I, I, this wasn't included in the notes that I sent you. I don't think, but uh, I I uh, had uh, messaged Chris my thoughts on this a little bit beforehand too, and 
and exactly those three spots are, are what I kind of sent to Chris. And, um, you know, I, I guess like the best way to think about it, right, is that even in areas where you might think like we're okay, taking it to the next level is still finding an improvement, even on an area where you might have a strength, right? Um, and so I do think there is a whole, uh, I guess not talking about strength, but talking about a whole uh, in that center back position, because say, uh, you know, Mings or, or Kansa goes out tomorrow, who do we have that you feel confident to step into that position? I think even recently in, in one of the cup games, did uh, El Mohamedy play in the middle? Somebody yeah, played yeah. in the middle. That was, it was just yeah. like, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so uh, yeah, like that's a huge need is to find uh, a third guy there that, you know, can step in and keep that solid, you know, back going. I, I think that you're, you're right a little bit on target for me. He's uh, one of those kind of players that, um, you know, maybe has some holes. He doesn't uh, wow you, um, but he's still a Premier League quality player. Um, and so that's an area where I'd like to see maybe us go for a, a really young guy and get a, a, a punt maybe or get a, get a really young guy in there to get a chance to kind of like groom him and, and learn, learn a little bit while we have target that can kind of fill in while we have him. Um so I, th I think for sure. And then, I mean, you always want to have attacking options. Um, and, and similarly to center back, um, you know, Ollie has been great, but say Ollie goes down. Yeah. Wesley's out till, uh, till Christmas. So, um, you know, I, I think I saw some things there. He definitely had a, a, a good amount of um, hold up play that, that kind of worked, which I think maybe with um, some of the players that we have now would, would, go a little bit better. He, he'd, he'd see a little bit more success. Um, but, you know, you're still looking at right now and we've got to be able to get to Christmas and, um, you know, Davis hot and cold. Um, yeah. You just want to have that, that bench piece that, um, you know, can fill in if there's an injury or, um, you know, say that Watkins is, is gassed at the end of game you need to bring somebody on fresh that I can actually present a threat. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, um, I think that's all apparent to see. And I, I think, I think probably what's uh, in the, in the minds of the, the the Dean Smith and the team is the fact that obviously it's a reduced time between windows this year um, because of COVID, and and the fact that the windows, well, the the international windows only ended last week, and the and the, oh sorry, on October the the fifth, uh, and the domestic windows ending this weekend uh, on Friday. Uh, and then it's only really 10, 11 weeks until the, the January windows opens up again. So they're probably thinking that's a, a, probably a good calculated risk to take uh, rather than buying a player that's going to cost quite a bit and not add too much to the team. They'd rather wait till January and reassess and see how Wesley's doing. So I guess we'll see. But but definitely for me, I think those those positions of centre-back and left-back, I am slightly concerned about. Because uh, mainly one, because I, you know, as much as Neil Telly is a good pro and, 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 you know, has put in a good shift for Villa, I don't think he's up to the standard. And again, a centre-back, you know, House and Engels are, well, at the moment are both injured. Uh, so as you said, Almo probably would step in. And again, whilst he did okay in the cup games, he's not really a Premier League centre-back. So could be an issue hopefully the guys stay fit and, and we're fine but yeah there is a slight worry there uh, left back you mentioned a sort of a younger player a, a player that actually we were linked with and, and Chris mentioned a, a while ago on, on on the forums was uh, Aaron Hickey who's I think gone to Bologna now uh, Chris you're, you're I mean what, some of the picks that so moving on so, so some of your picks Aaron Hickey was obviously one that you mentioned a while ago uh, last season yeah uh, yeah um, who who else would you would you look at in the lower leagues as potential options for them um one of them we can't get, Matt Clark of BSS Arnhem, 24-year-old ex-hole left-back. Who's that, sorry? Max Clark. Max Clark, okay. Yeah, 24, um, for the Arnhem. He was, he was at Hull as a kid. He played for them. He was Robertson's understudy event. Liverpool were looking at him last season. I, I watched him play before Liverpool linked. Very, very good player. He, but he's 24, so he could give target a bit of comfort. Obviously, we can't sign him at the moment. So there's two picks I've got at the moment um, from the English leads. The first one for Ryan Manning of QPR. Yeah. Okay, he's, he's 24. He used to be a centre midfielder like Matthew Cash and moved left back. He's been linked with a £5 million move to West Ham, but apparently Dave Moyes don't rate him. Um, he's out of contract next summer. Um, he, he impressed last season, as I, for Q QPR. 
Okay, so Ryan Manning, I feel who's worth looking at and just trying to target. But my proper pick is 21-year-old Harry Pickering of Crew. Harry Pickering, um, I saw two years ago uh, when I went to watch Crew um, for an assignment. And uh, funny enough, I started working for him after. And I actually know, I met his mum at the game. She's sitting next to me. Um, Harry's mum, and he, he was, um, yeah, he gets a bit nervous on you. Stick on the picks that game, but but he, he got man of the match. Um, he's just the stats, stats wise as well. He's the best lower league left back. I think Bristol City and Forest have been looking at him. He's twenty one. Also, interestingly, he's another centre midfielder that, that moves to left back, right. um, a bit like Matty Cash and Ryan Manning. Um, it's, it's, it's funny enough, all these players are coming into the first team and they're getting moved to right back or left back from other positions, and they're excelling. And uh, Pickering. What two million quid maybe? Um, and that's crew for the season. Um, he'd be a perfect understudy. He can whip a ball in. He takes players on. His tackling could be a little bit better, but he's a good lad too. He's got a, he's another one that's always improving all the time. Yeah. So and, and quite quite tall as well, isn't he? I think is he over six foot. One, he's about six foot one. I think Pickering is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is important. I think Cash as well. One thing we haven't mentioned was Cash is compared to Gilbert, especially is his height. Um, you know, again, he's a six foot plus player, which is important when you're defending set pieces. So, yeah, an interesting pick, Harry Pickering. I'll definitely look at. I mean, I've, I've heard of the name and I've I've seen articles about him. Uh, and obviously, Crew have a fantastic record of bringing young players through. Yeah, I've seen him about 12 or 13 times live now. Um, very, very good player. Obviously, I've met his mum and I was talking about. It. I said I've actually suggested Harry to um, St. Mirren on loan, and um, yeah, so, so basically that's an interesting one. St. Mirren weren't that interested. Um, and yeah, this is one of them ones. I've just watched him come. I think I've actually suggested him to Port Vale as well because he was um, he was almost out of contact last season, Amar. Eh, um, before the start of the season, it was one of these ones that was potentially wasn't sure whether it was going to be renewed or not. But then he got renewed. So I said, I said to, I said to Port Vale because there's um, a scout um, at Port Vale. Um, I sent him an email and he said some very good suggestions here. And I showed that sort of list of suggestions to Salford. I did a bit of work for um, Chris Casper and um, and the Class ninety two for a bit. That's uh, that's really interesting. I think. Um, thank you for that. That's um, an interesting pick there. One to look out for Harry Pickering, but also I think it was Ryan Manning, the other one, and uh, the first one that you mentioned was was a Max Clark from from Eastus Arnhem. So three players to look out for potentially. Um, and I think those types of players are, although you know, obviously my knowledge about them is is nowhere near at the level of yours. I think those types of players are players that someone like Dean Smith would, would look at and be happy to look at. And, you know, again, you know, these, these sort of, you know, as Josh mentioned, these sort of low risk, not, low risk signings in the sense that they're not worth, they're not going to cost you a lot of money. And you've got players in their position that can, that can do a job until they develop and become a player and ready to step into the first team. Um, so interesting one. Um, I think from, from our perspective, uh, from the Villa Talks team, just want to say thank you to both of you. Uh, for for being on here, um, you know, I know you both are busy guys, and and you've got jobs to do, and and to take time out to talk about Villa and talk about the players and and potential players that we might look at in the future is is really valuable information that I'm sure the listeners would really appreciate. Um, and and also just quickly, um, you know, just to say, Chris, I know it's difficult for you to do these types of things with with the issues you have in your hearing. Um, so to, to to do that and to talk about it so eloquently. Um, and take your time to do that. I know it's difficult for you, but I, I personally really appreciate it. And I never give up in life. Either. Exactly, mate. And and, I, and you know, just just to just show everyone out there, you know, this is a person who's had a lot of troubles in their life, a lot of issues to face, and the fact that they've made a career out of something they love, um, hopefully gives people out there hope if they want to get into the football industry. It's yeah, exactly inspiring, Josh, and 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 also you know to a person that's willing to to share their you know their knowledge as well. You know, you could easily just sort of keep that to yourself and and use that to to get further in your career. But the fact that you're able to share that with all of us, and and obviously thank you for introducing me to Josh. And Josh, thank you for your time as well. It's um it's been really really interesting to hear your thoughts on the players. Um and and good luck at DC United as well. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll go from strength to strength in your career as a scout, and and maybe maybe even come to Arsenal's to, to to scout for Villa maybe in the future. Wouldn't that be a dream? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank thank you both for your for your time today. Um, it's been really really interesting, and I hope the listeners have found it really interesting. Yeah, you know, this is what we try and do at Villa Talks podcast. We try and bring you fresh perspectives on, on the game and on, on Villa, uh, and also give a platform for people who otherwise don't get a platform to say and demonstrate how good they are, what they do. 
Um, this is what we're all about. Um, whether you agree with them or you don't agree with them, whether it's the late night ramble, whether it's the lockdown, lowdown, whatever it is, you know, we're, we're here to give you a platform and, uh, you know, we hope you're enjoying it and we love having you listen to, to our shows and, and interacting with our shows. So it's been fantastic first few weeks for us. Uh, but thanks again, guys. And uh, we'll be back later this week with a with another late night ramble where we'll be previewing the Leicester City game. And also <clears throat> alongside that will be our special around uh, the Black History Month. And we'll be looking at our and deciding our top five black players to play for Aston Villa over the course of our history. I'm sure there'll be uh, a few contentious shouts in that one, but that should be a really interesting debate. Uh, Chadzi, Jugs, and Deckers will be joining me for that one. Um, so it should be a good one. Um, look out for that one. Uh, and apart from that, just please do subscribe and, and follow us if you're not already doing so. Uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave a rating and, and, a, and a review. We'd much, much appreciate it. Uh, and thank you for listening. And uh, up the villa. Thank you, guys.